The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome to a very special episode of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. We have another tremendous guest. Andrew, we got Bomani Jones from ESPN. Yeah. He friended me, and he had just started chatting with me about Saints history and stuff, and so I asked him to come on um, a while ago, and... Uh, he's agreed to to it now, and we're going to talk a bunch of stuff. But Bomani, thanks for joining us. We are incredibly uh, delighted to have you on. Well, no, I'm glad to be on, and this like kind of reinforces something that I always think is kind of important for people to realize is I am. I always say I don't root for the Falcons anymore. I just still <laughs> hate the Saints, and I love the fact that everybody understands that like the hate is what it's supposed to be, so it's no actual beef. Yeah, well, that's the thing, you know. I love, you know, when the Saints, when they had the no call and everybody was mad, I appreciated you, your Twitter, and the fact that other people were trying to troll the Saints and say, oh, you should have you should have done more to win the game. It doesn't come down to one call. You were just like, I didn't want the Saints to be in the Super Bowl in Atlanta. I didn't care if it would have took Jesus Christ coming down and blocking a field goal. I just didn't want the Saints in the Super Bowl. I don't care how it happened. I love this. And you were totally honest like, with your intention. They got robbed. That made it better. Like, I don't know why people needed it to be legitimate. Right? I think about, as a Texas uh, football fan, in 04, they played this game against Kansas that they won on the most bogus pass interference call that you're ever going to see. Like, there's, there's no doubt that it was a ridiculous. Like, they don't make the Rose Bowl that year if that call doesn't happen. Mac Brown probably gets fired. Like, all of this stuff. It was obvious. Kansas coach after the game comes to the press conference and said that the Big 12 did this on purpose to try to protect their money to get Texas into a bowl, which honestly looked totally plausible based on the play. And people always tell me, well, that was pass interference. And I'm like, yeah, that's the best part. It wasn't pass interference. It was a terrible call. Whatever it takes. See, I can really relate to that because, you know, for us, the Saints fans, 28 to 3 is our, our crowning jewel. That's almost better than the Saints winning the Super Bowl because it's like – you want maximum pain, right? You want you that that's how you're doing this right. If you're rooting against a team because you hate them because there's a rivalry, you want their fans to suffer in the most ridiculous implausible way possible. Well, it also helps me that like since I quit doing that Falcons thing like almost 15 years ago, I enjoy 28-3 myself cuz I remember sitting up and at 28-3 I was like, "Wow, they're going to win the Super Bowl." Like that was my thought. They're going to win the Super Bowl. And you tweeted out, beat them down, I, I remember. Like, maybe not. 
I did a hat. How could I not? <laughs> right? Like it, it was plausible for the scenario. That was the case. And then the Patriots scored one, and I was like, wait a minute, they're not gonna win the Super Bowl. <laughs> what are you talking about? How did how did we ever get to a situation where I told myself that they were gonna win the Super Bowl? They're not gonna win the fucking Super Bowl. Of course they didn't win the Super Bowl. Uh, but the thing about Saints Falcons is and, and you you are the one of the national media that you get the rivalry. But the thing that you've always said about it is Atlanta is a black city. New Orleans is a black city. That makes it special. But also one point that me and you were talking about on, on Twitter DM and back and forth is that Atlanta has a huge population of New Orleans people that moved there post Katrina and stayed and Atlanta is one of the only I think maybe the only NFL city money where there is this huge population of their most hated rival in their city and I think it's ramped up Saints Falcons in a way that Saints Falcons fans understand it but the rest of the nation doesn't quite understand why the rivalry is like it is yeah, like there is a like Cowboys Redskins element to it in that way, because in D.C., which you have because of like this incredible legacy of racism with the football team in Washington, you got a lot of black people who, who root for the Cowboys because they absolutely do not root for Washington. Like this, the generation of people who are like from Washington and root for them, especially black people, is actually kind of a newfound thing, kind of like black people who root for LSU. Like, my dad's age and my dad's generation, that never happens. But, you know, things change, and then it builds up, and it becomes something new. And so, in Atlanta, you wind up with the same thing, that, like, the folks in New Orleans showed up. And it's also kind of funny, I guess, because the Saints and Falcons have played each other for all these years. Like, in theory, the same thing could happen in Houston, because so many people from New Orleans moved over to Houston, but it didn't catch that way. But you had this rivalry that was based on mediocrity for, like, 25 years, and now suddenly everybody gets halfway decent to good to very good at the same time, and then the city moves into another city. And by the way, I don't know if Atlanta, because I wasn't quite around Atlanta at that time in that way, but I know in Houston, after the war, they showed up, man. Everything that went wrong, they swore the water people's fault. No matter what happened, man. If it's raining, man, the people in the water showed up and it started raining. So you add all that to a football rivalry, and there's nothing like this. I remember, I forget what year it was, but it was December 26th. I want to say it was a Monday night football game. The Saints were playing the Falcons at the Georgia Dome. And I went to Lenox in Atlanta that day, and I had never seen anything like that before, right? It was like if you take the two rival black high schools and they play a game, except <laughs> let's magnet, multiply this by like 70,000, and now let's all go to the mall. <laughs> well, Bomani, I, so you just explained this on the show, but you, you – so you quit the Falcons like a narcotic. I mean, you're, you're off the narcotic. Um, but you still say that you maintain that you hate, hate, hate the Saints. So uh, explain that psychology. And I'm also curious, just what do you hate the most about the Saints and or their fans? Okay. So the psychology goes as follows. I just had to realize that the Falcons had ultimately not done very much for me. Right. Like this was a relationship that wasn't proving to be beneficial for me. It, 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 it just simply wasn't like in small childhood. They were just kind of terrible. Um, and then, you know, we got a couple things going at a couple different points. But every time it got cracking just a little bit, it would fall right back down. Like it's hard to explain to people that the Falcons did not have back to back winning seasons. I want to yeah. say till something like 2008. Like, it, 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 it was just bananas that they had just never been able to have any, like, sustained good. 
And a key point to remember when talking about the Falcons with this extended excellent, extended mediocrity that makes them different than most franchises. From 1975 until now, they've basically had a good quarterback every season. Not every single season, but they basically had a good quarterback. So they've been sorry in spite of the fact that they've gotten the hard part right. You know? And then, and then the damn quarterback goes to jail for fighting dogs. <laughs> and, 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 and at that point, right? Like, like I just can't th- I, I think it's very difficult to explain. I, I can't, other than like Lynn Bias, like I can't think of anything to explain what it's like to be a fan. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Head of a team, and you have the most exciting thing in the world, and not only is it gone, but it's gone off something really stupid. And I was just like, why am I still doing this? Why, why am I here? They hired Bobby Petrino at the same time. Didn't that dude quit his job with a letter <laughs> to go to Arkansas? You know, you put all that together, man. It's like, I ain't never coming back. And I ain't never come back not once. The Petrino thing was almost better than 28 to 3, actually. It, for us. <laughs> that guy, so Bo- Bomani, God's honest truth. My mom called me after that game, and she was like, why was the Falcons – coach smiling at the end of that game is he planning to leave and i was like no mom he's not planning to leave and the next day he left and i was like <laughs> but bomani speaking of something ridiculous something ridiculous and it's a serious topic but is drew Brees burning his reputation to the ground on something called yahoo finance it's okay to laugh about that. Like, that is funny, correct? <laughs> Yo, here's my question. Have we heard any other quotes from this interview? Has anybody got, like, a transcript of the entirety of the interview? Yahoo Finance took out that one question, and as far as I know, that is all that is publicly available. I don't know what else Drew Brees had to say. Drew Brees might have had some stock tips that could change our lives. It ain't come out. I ain't seen it. I have no idea. And there is a laughable element to it just because he's, like, I think that he was at once impassioned and also went into robo quarterback mode because he just hit the button on, oh, national anthem question. This is what I say. And that answer would have been cool like three weeks ago. It might have even been cool two weeks ago. He said it today, and it was a wrap. 
like a total 100% rap. Like, you never, it reminded me in some ways of, you remember Carl Malone when they asked him about Magic Johnson and he was like, look, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I want to play him. I don't know if I want to touch him, all of those things, so forth and so on. If Carl Malone had said that a year and a half before, people would have been like, yeah, I know where you're coming from. I don't know very much about this virus either, right? He said it when he did, and he is the living face and embodiment of the ignorant person with HIV. And he's like, wait a minute. This is the same thing everybody else has been saying. What? Why is this now a problem for me? And it is a, I, in spite of the fact that his teammates forgave him, and I think that, you know, that'll work itself out as it does. I do think that for some people in a larger way, like, I guarantee that you go to my dad's house, this will be what he remembers about Drew Brees forever. Well, that was going to be my next question is how, so just recovering from something like this. I mean, you, you say his teammates forgive him, but like, for example, Marshawn Lattimore last night liked a tweet by Shannon Sharp where he said that Drew Brees should just retire. And, you yeah. know, so that, that's a teammate that just liked that after they all <laughs> met. So I'm curious about your opinion here. Do you think this, so you just mentioned like there's some people that this will stick with Drew Brees forever. Do you think he recovers from this? And do you think like enough stories happen in sports eventually that this goes in the rearview mirror? Or do you think this is this is so explosive that he may never recover? Yeah, it's like I think the question becomes how representative is like Twitter to the world. And I say that because it's gonna be up on these tweets every single time anything happens with Drew Brees. Right? Like, or it could be a situation, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying these acts and accusations are of similar magnitude. But you know how nobody, like, talks about that stuff in Roethlisberger anymore? Yeah. Yeah. But everybody always knows it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that that kind of situation might be best-case scenario um, for Drew Brees. And, like, it's going to mean something different now when Drew Brees comes out the tunnel carrying the American flag. You know, and and this is where I feel bad for Drew in a way is that I think it's difficult for him to grasp what the complexity is for a lot of people um, when it comes to like the flag itself and things surrounding it and everything else. And there are a lot of people who like weaponize the American flag against black people like they use it to show that they themselves are Americans and as a reminder that we in their eyes are not. You know, like that, that's, that's the way a lot of people wind up using it. And I don't know if Drew Brees is one of those people, but you combine what he said in that statement with everything else. And then you see him as the dude coming out the tunnel, holding the American flag. It isn't going to look the same as it's not going to play the same with a lot of people as it did before. It's just not. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that he just sort of went on autopilot and he's like sort of playing the hits. He's like, you know, this is what I say about the flag. And he just did it. But people have texted me on Twitter, how could he be so tone deaf? How could he not understand? You've been around famous athletes, entertainers, smart people. Drew is a smart guy, right? Everything's shown he's a good guy. But yet this is probably the biggest screw-up in his career. How does Drew and more importantly other famous people just not understand the moment? He apparently has been busy thinking about other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) that's all i have apparently he this has not been something that he's been looking into as it has gone on i am uh, i myself was blown away 
by the fact that he didn't realize that the PR answer right now was just simply to acknowledge what is going on in the world. Like, in a way, I feel like what this tells us about Drew Brees that would have otherwise been charming is apparently he doesn't have any PR people in his world who prepare him before he goes and does these sorts of things. Like, he must be the dude. They'd be like, damn, he ain't even had no entourage when he showed up. Because somebody in your entourage would have told you, like, hey, hey, man, you know, just, just play us off on this one. Play us off on this one. He said, hell no. He put on his Lee Greenwood album, and he sang that thing all the way across the board. And I just have, even just cynically, beyond, like, how do you not know what's going on in the world, I'm amazed at a man that's worth that much money didn't know what the right answer was this time. Unbelievable. You know, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. You met, Well, th- talking about money, you mentioned on your Thursday show, which everybody should listen to the right time, it is my uh, savior 
in Houston traffic, I was despondent, Bomani, when you, you went to the podcast and your daily show on ESPN went away. It was my saving grace surviving Houston traffic. But yesterday on your podcast, you mentioned, you know, Drew Brees, the wrapping himself in the American flag. He's Mr. Wrangler. Like, the way his persona, that's how he made his money. And his entire persona is everybody loves Drew. And he doesn't really say anything interesting except when he's blasting Adele. How's he going to fix this with guys in the locker room that he says he wants to fix it with his teammates? It's an issue that America's been divided over for 400 freaking years. And how do you think players like Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins are going to hold his feet to the fire when the more he becomes involved in the protest, the, maybe that affects his money and his career post-football? Yeah, like, I'm wondering if the play for Drew in the locker room, is it to say more or is it to say less, right? Like, is his play to be coming in and try to talk to people and, like, ask more questions, right? Is he is he supposed to be the guy that's going in asking for books, <laughs> you know, because that's going on right now? I've had so many requests for books. Um, you know, is, is, he, is the move for him to be that guy or is the move for him to, like, still be Drew Brees, which is in a position that's going to kind of put you above the rank and file. That's just kind of, you know, the nature of being a quarterback, but at least be nicer and more considerate about these things. Like, that's where, that's where I'm curious how it goes with the team. The other thing I'm curious about with the team is, is there a bit of an age split in how these things are going? Because it seems to me, at least, it's the younger players in particular that are the most strident right now in the NFL. Like, I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. the video. Um, I saw it on Saquon Barkley's account. We got, like, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I think that was Evan Ingram, but I've never seen him without a helmet. Um, all these guys asking for the NFL to admit that they were wrong about Kaepernick and to explicitly come out and condemn racism and all this stuff, you know? Well, um, like, and, but they're all young. Like, yeah. the oldest guy in the video, I want to say, is Tyron Matthews. Like, all of them are young dudes. Like, the Trevor Lawrence, the Joe Burrow, like, the young guys are the ones that are coming out swinging. And Marshawn Lattimore would fit the description on this. Well, that's that was another question I had is, you know, the thing that was surprising to me, not that people came down hard on Drew, but, Bomani, it happened with such fury and quickness. Yes. We, we recorded emergency podcast, and while it was going on, Ed Reed was doing Instagram. Malcolm Jenkins was on CNN. Like, everybody, usually it takes, like, a little bit of time. People get their statements out. Is this new world of everybody just comes with a fury on social media? Is this the new world, or is this a product of we don't have any games, so people are on social media, players and every celebrities are on social media 24-7? I think it's that, but I also think that there is a subtext of disappointment from some people because even though Drew Brees is get, gave the same answer there that he's been given for the last four years, I had somebody, um, fairly noteworthy entertainer, send me a text. And what he said to me about Drew Brees was, I always thought he was a good guy, right? Like, <laughs> there's something about Brees, and I think it happens in part with him. Uh, with black people in particular, because he does, you know, that thing they do before the game, I think it's a Marines thing, but, you know, all that stuff, you know what I mean? Um, But I think he does that, and that is, for him, that's like coming to where his guys are, and he seems to be that dude, and I think that people thought that about him, and so, like, Ed Reed has probably hung out with him at Pro Bowls and stuff like that, 
and thought that this was a good, you know, in their eyes, thought he was a quote unquote good dude and everything else. And then he said this incredibly hurtful thing and it just came all the way crashing down. Like I'm trying to think of another example of a dude. Like if Ben Roethlisberger did this, it would come crashing down on him and people would say harsh things. But like Malcolm Jenkins sounded like he was about to cry. Malcolm Jenkins. And that's not just simply being mad. That's disappointment. Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, you could feel it in that video. I, I that's what I was gonna say about Jenkins is you know as as a white man you know I, I don't know that I ever felt more pain coming from someone and, and understood more than watching that second video that he put out. Like you said, he was just real emotional. Um, but Bomani, just to add a little levity to it, because uh, you know we're the Saints Happy Hour podcast, so we like oh, to yeah. make jokes about everything. Um, is it? Is it funnier? Like, what what was funnier to you? Uh, the fact that this all went down on Yahoo Finance, or uh, the fact that the apology that he issued included a photo that reminded everyone of Carl Weathers and Arnold and the Predator holding. Yeah, I gotta say, as much as I was saying that Drew Brees seemed to not have a PR team, apparently he got one by the end of the day. <laughs> so they were like, yo, what do we do? First thing we do is we get a picture. I, I, I got to imagine at some point the question had to be asked, do we get a picture of Drew with another black person? Because then the other black person then is going to be like, man, you better take that shit down. <laughs> you know what I'm You imagine if you Teddy Bridgewater and Drew try to bring in a picture of you and him together. Hell no, nah, bro. I'm not. Blow out my face. Um, like, no, no, no. You ain't doing that. Uh, that, the, the post, the, 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 the hand-holding thing in it, the words, and I think that for these PR firms, this is becoming interesting also because now what is the right term to use in the terms and the language to use is the language they always tried to avoid. So, like, they're trying to figure this out in real time. Like, I just can't imagine what the panic was on Drew Brees' side to think that this would be the catastrophe, that this would be the thing while also trying to fix this and not lose or mess up your Wrangler money. Well, Although I feel like I inadvertently gave him some shielding on his Wrangler money. You know, I was just thinking, Bomani, the ultimate penalty for Drew Brees is Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins sitting him down and saying, yep. Demario Davis telling him, I, I do the, I do the warm up now. I do, I do. That you don't get, you don't get that anymore. That's, that's the penalty drill. I, I'll, I'll lead the cheer now. <laughs> if they start stripping power away from Drew Brees, like when, when Shannon, Shannon Sharp said the thing about whether or not Drew will retire, and I will admit that um, I think that people think that I am just like one hundred percent fearless in the things that I say, and you don't keep your job as long as I have by being like that. that that's not that's not really so much my approach. So every now and then I have something. I'm like, hey, I think maybe this might be a little too hot of a take. And for me, it was: is this going to cause Drew Brees to retire? Right. And the reason I had said that just was at the point where he's at, if those dudes chose not to forgive him, not to let it slide, his career ends on like a horribly disastrous note. Like you could easily see a dude like that. Listen to all this. And the team has got a quarterback depth chart. Right. He wouldn't be leaving them in a lurch. Right. He's like, man, I don't want to do this no more. But the problem is. I don't think he can go to his other job that he's got lined up right now, right? You, yeah. you can't leave you can't leave football not in disgrace necessarily, but mired in controversy and then go to NBC. No. Well, that's true. Well, so Bomani, you hate the Saints, uh, and I feel like so us as Saints fans, we love Sean Payton, 
Uh, we think he's hilarious. We love that he's got some, you know, just some, uh, he, he jabs at fans. He'll, he'll troll people. So I think the combination of Sean's arrogance, which I think we love it, but I know other fans hate it. So I, I, I've been surprised to see that the Saints on a lot of opposing NFL teams, fans, the, the Saints are high on the hate list. Um, does this whole Drew thing combined with Sean's arrogance, do you feel like all other NFL fans are up there in terms of Saints hatred with you? And do you think this is the most hated team by Saints by, by fans in 2020? So here's the thing. I think that with some fans, this is going to amp it up on how they feel about the Saints. But I will tell you a story of my sports fanhood that I will never forget. I grew up a big Atlanta Braves fan. That is my first love in this world is the Braves. In 2000, went to see the Braves and the Yankees in the upper deck at Turner Field. I'll never forget because it was like a zillion degrees and we were in the upper deck and the game was four and a half hours. I've literally never been more tired in my life than I was when I got home. And so the Braves had this pitcher named John Rocker, who at one point was maybe my favorite Atlanta Brave of all time. Like when they first got John Rocker, I loved that dude because he was up there country as hell and he was talking crazy about New York. And at that time, that's what I was all about. You know, I was like, yeah, I like this dude. And then he did this interview with Sports Illustrated where he said all kinds of terrible things about basically everybody but white men. And, you know, you kind of had to get off the John Rocker boat. And so you would think John Rocker, most hated man in baseball. John Rocker came in that game against the Yankees, and that is the loudest ovation I have ever heard in person in my life. Hmm. I come to find out that the Braves then later traded Rocker to Cleveland because he was such a disaster for them. John Rocker got to Cleveland, and he received a standing ovation. Um, there is still a significant number of people who will now become bigger Drew Brees fans than ever because of this. That being said, it is going to ramp it up for the people that had a little bit of an inclination <laughs> to not like uh, the Saints in the first place. I actually, interestingly, do not dislike Sean Payton. We don't dislike him either. We tricked him into doing yeah. our open. We love him. <laughs> now, see, my, a couple things, like with me and Payton, because like, I think this is counterintuitive to a lot of sports fans, but like, I don't need to pretend like a team is worse than they are for, in order for me to hate them. You understand what I'm saying? Like, be good, be bad, whatever. I hate y'all the same. Peyton, there was that stretch there where they had like those three, uh, yep. like those three straight six, ten, like six and ten seasons or something. There, three straight seasons nine. playoff. Yeah, yeah like right around there. Well, I was kind of like, yo, at some point we gotta start holding him responsible for like what these defenses don't do and everything else. Like I, I have a little bit of a Sean Payton's kind of overrated streak in me, but as like an offensive dude. There is nobody else that I want to run my offense more than Sean Payton. Because the thing I'll give him is, is he'll look around and be like, oh, okay, well, this year we're just going to run the ball a lot. How about that? Like, he's not a clown about wanting to run this passing offense. Like, when he looks around and he sees his quarterback getting as good as he used to be, and maybe we need to just line up in the eye and go downhill a little bit, I love the fact that this dude will actually do that. Like, I think he's very in touch with his own football intelligence, but in ways that make sense as opposed to, like, trying to be some kind of show-off. Yeah, That's well, he, he all right with me. He, you know, to that point, well, Andrew, what year was it where they traded Akeem Hicks for a backup tight end with the Patriots because because Sean Payton was like, you know what? We need to go three tight ends and protect Drew Moore, and that's what's working. And people were like, what are you doing? And they, it, it worked. It fixed the offense, but the defense was still a uh, disaster. All right, Bomani, you've given us more time than we asked for. Final question. It's not a Saints question, but – 
How many calls are the Pelicans going to get when the NBA restarts so America can be assured that Zion is in the playoffs? Whatever it takes, baby. Whatever it takes. <laughs> as simple as that. Like, it is so clear that every strategy they're coming up with, first question is, so is Zion going to get to play? Right? Like, they're coming up with this. This is my question because I just don't pay enough attention to this. I don't, like, I'm not in the Instagram world in this way or whatever, but have we seen some photographs that indicate that the Zion that shows up to Orlando is, like, not going to be a lot more Zion than we saw the last time we saw him? <laughs> I don't know. It's a great, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question, you know, but uh, America's going to get Zion in the playoffs. Um, By the way, have you guys, like, fully forgiven Anthony Davis at this point? And I only ask just because, like, as a basketball fan, if I went from we got Anthony Davis to we got Zion, I'll make that trade every single time just for the fun. Like, this all really worked out well for you guys. It's, to me, Bomani, it couldn't have worked out better because Anthony Davis, as great as he was, he never really moved the needle in New Orleans the way Zion can. He's just and not, the, he's not as fun of a personality. Yeah. And if the Pelicans are going to make it, they needed something like Zion, and I don't even know long-term with the pandemic and everything going on in New Orleans, I don't know the future of sports and the economy and all that in New Orleans. That is a fraught thing, and I worry about that almost more than anything. But it's more fun, and the fact that they own the Lakers' future, and they got Zion, like, it's just, it couldn't have worked out better. And, you know, it's just, it, the thing with, with, with Anthony Davis, he just, he never... Bomani, he's he's just not he's a great player, but he's not he's never was fun. Even when they won in the playoffs, he's just not is he I had more fun Zion's first game than I ever had rooting for Anthony Davis. Yeah, like Anthony Davis is not a and I don't mean this judgmentally, but uh he's he's not a highlight. Like he doesn't produce a lot of highlights. Like yeah. the, the, the weird thing the about weirdest, the thing about it okay. for me, yeah, sorry. The thing about about Davis for me is he's got a little soccer player in him and he's always led the team in MRIs and x-rays and see so he, he, it's you know it's like the old sniper taking you out from the from the roof of the stadium you know where right. you just fall down and he would go get the x-ray and, and then he'd come back to the game and you know the play-by-play guy is always saying look how tough Anthony Davis is he's back in the game after getting an x-ray <laughs> you know so you get all that but it's just he's not injured you know why, why did he go get an x-ray he's fine but. Yeah, he's – I mean, what – somehow he managed to be every bit as good as we expected him to be, but also not as impactful. And I've never been able to fully explain how that happened. Yeah. So, uh, Bomani, we cannot thank you enough for giving us time. Guys, uh, follow – you know Bomani on Twitter, the right time. And I will say one thing, Bomani. Tell ESPN – you have hurt my marriage because me and my wife, we would record High Noon and we would watch it every night before bed. And now it is gone. And my marriage <laughs> is a little worse off. Just saying. All right. I'll see if I get ESPN <laughs> to give you a business card for a lawyer. <laughs> so, everybody, thanks. Bomani, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will see you again tomorrow. <laughs>